Welcome to the Law Firm Accounting and Tax Podcast, powered by Jetro. Each week, we bring extremely valuable accounting and tax tips specific to law firm owners. You will be on your way to growing your practice and putting more money in your pockets. Here's your host. Hello and welcome back to another episode. Today's topic is what is a 1099 NEC and what do I need to know about 1099s? Now, before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by Jetro, a digital accounting firm servicing business owners around the country, helping them relieve stress around financials and save thousands in taxes. I am your host and founder of Jetro, Mike Jezoshek. Again, today's topic is what is a 1099 NEC and what do I need to know about 1099s? Now, this whole topic about 1099s, if you've been in business for at least a year, you have probably heard of a 1099. And you may know nothing about them. You may not even know what it means, but you may know that people tell you that you need to send one or people tell them that you may be receiving one. Um, and Or you may be someone that's been doing 1099s for a year and you understand that they're they're kind of a pain during January. Uh, but wherever you are in that process, we're going to break down everything you need to know about 1099s along with this new form for 2020, the form 1099-NEC. This is a change starting in tax year 2020. So first I want to talk about 1099s in general. What is a form 1099? Essentially, a 1099 is an informational filing form used to report non-salary income to the IRS and recipients. So there is actually over 15 different types of 1099 forms that are used for various of different purposes. So for example, there is the 1099-INT. So if you uh, have a savings account with a bank, you would receive this. This basically reports interest that you made at a bank. There's the 1099K, and this would be if you have third-party processors, credit card, PayPal. If your payments total over the year $20,000 from a a payment processor, they'll send you a 1099K that represents that amount uh, that was processed through them. There's a 1099-DIV, a 1099-B, which is all kind of around stocks and distributions. There's a 1099-G, which is unemployment compensation and state tax refunds. There's a 1099-R, which is when you have a retirement distribution or a distribution from a retirement plan. So there's a lot of different 1099s, and and, it, and basically it's just what are the last letters um, at the end of it. And again, a 1099 is an informational filing form that's used to report non-salary income. So 1099s are always going to be income or sales related, but it's going to be non-salary because we know a salary is reported on a W-2. So those are kind of just a little bit of information about 1099s, but but the most common that we see, especially as business owners, is the 1099 MISC and the 1099 miscellaneous and this new 1099 NEC. So I want to kind of talk about, you know, what is the 1099 MISC versus the 1099 NEC? And again, I mentioned at the beginning, the 1099 NEC is new starting in tax year 2020. And before this form came around, contractor payments were included on the 1099 MISC. So the 1099 NEC is a new form that is used to report independent contractor income. The NEC stands for non-employee compensation. And so if you would have, if you had independent contractor um, expenses or income in a prior year, you would have 
put those in box 7 of the 1099 MISC. The only difference is, is that box 7 goes away on the 1099 MISC and it goes uh, instead gets reported on this solo, solo form 1099 NEC. So the 1099 MISC, that form in general is not going away. They just removed the non-employee compensation from it and moved that to the 1099 NEC instead. So that miscellaneous form is still going to be used for things like rent, royalties, prizes and awards, and, and, and things like that. So basically, all you need to know is that if you were used to filing or receiving a 1099 miscellaneous form for contractor income or paying contractors, that has just moved to a 1099 NEC instead. It's still required. You still have to report it. It's simply just a new form to create, to break that out separately. So in the show notes, I'm going to include a, a link to both forms and as well as some instructions for them should you want to look into that a little bit deeper. So let's go into the details a little bit more because this is going to become important in January. When do I need to file a 1099-C? So as a business owner, when do you need to file a 1099-C, NEC? Basically, if you paid a contractor $600 or more in a year. So if you paid a contractor $600 in, in total for a year, you would need to send them a 1099. This could include an individual, company, vendor, etc. Note that this is accumulative. So if you send three payments of $250 each, you didn't send $600 in one single payment, but the total of them is $750, which would require a 1099. So again, it's $600 or more in a cumulative total for the year than a 1099 is required. Now, <clears throat> there are a few exceptions. If you made payments to a C or S corporation, 1099 is not required. If you're paying employees, 1099 is not required. Of course, you know this because that would be used and submitted on a form W-2. If you made payments for merchandise, freight, or storage, no 1099 required. If you made a payment via credit card or PayPal, no 1099 is required. And remember, when we were talking at the beginning that the 1099 form that merchant processors do, which would be credit cards or PayPal, they, they submit that information on a 1099-K. So if you pay someone via a credit card or PayPal, you do not need to send them a 1099 because that credit card processor or PayPal is going to send them a 1099-K. So it'd almost be double reporting if you were to also send it. So again, $600 or more, unless it's a payment to a C or S corporation, it's an employee because that's going to be on a W-2. It was payment for merchandise, freight, or storage, or it was a payment made via credit card or PayPal. Now, there's one caveat to that. The C or S corporation exception does not apply for payments made to attorneys for legal services. So if you have an attorney that is a C or S corporation, 1099 is still required. If it's um, any other C or S corporation, no 1099 required. So let's kind of go through this process. What does this look like? Well, how does this whole 1099 process typically look? The first step is to collect a W-9 from all contractors you pay. Even if it's under $600, you might as well grab a W-9 in case you eventually send them another payment that takes them over that amount. So I tell everybody, anytime you're paying an independent contractor, grab a W-9 from them before you ever even pay them. Because if you wait till the end of the year, it's gonna to be tough to get them to fill out that form. So step two is if a 1099 NEC is required, 
then you as the business would prepare it. All the information that you need to prepare a 1099 is going to be found in that form W-9. So there's going to be an address, a social security number. That's all going to be found in that W-9, which is what you'll need for the 1099. Step three is you're going to send a copy of that form 1099 to the contractor. And then step four, you're going to file a copy of that form 1099 with the IRS. So again, first thing, anytime you're paying a contractor, always, always, always collect a W-9. And if you haven't already, it's now November. Now would be a great time to start collecting W-9s for people that you've paid in 2020. Once you've had that W-9, you can prepare a 1099 NEC using the information from that, along with the payments and the total that you sent to that contractor. Then you're going to send a copy of that 1099 to the contractor, a copy to the IRS. Note, some of you on this call might be people that are receiving a 1099 NEC. If you're receiving a 1099 NEC, that means that you made money. Somebody paid you. You've been an independent contractor for someone. And this is income. And uh, this is something that you must report on your tax return. The IRS will get a copy of this same form. So if you receive a 1099 NEC, that means the IRS is getting that same exact form. So you want to ensure that you make sure you're reporting that income on your tax return so that you don't have any red flags pop up. So when our 1099 NECs do, they must be filed with the IRS and sent to the recipient by January 31st of the following year. So if the year, if we're talking about 2020, the filing is due on, December, on January 31st of 2021. So basically 31 days after the year's over, all 1099s are due. Note, if, the, if January 31st falls on a weekend, it would be the next business day. Now you may say, this sounds like a lot of work. What are the penalties? Can I just skip doing it? And the penalties for not filing really just depend upon how late you are. If you file within 30 days past the deadline, it's $50 per 1099 that you did not file. If you file more than 30 days late, but before August 1st, it's $110 per 1099. If you file after August 1st or not at all, it's $207, $270 per 1099. And if it's intentional disregard, neglect, just intentionally not sending it, it would be $550 per 1099 missed. So again, we talk about a lot of different, there's a lot of different types of 1099s out there. You have the 1099 interest, 1099K, which is merchant processors, 1099-DIV, 1099-B, which is related to uh, stocks, distributions, things like that, investments. So you have the 1099-G, which is unemployment compensation or refunds, and you have the 1099-R, which is distribution from a retirement plan. And there's a lot of different 1099s. What we wanted to focus about mainly on this conversation was the 1099 miscellaneous and the 1099 non-employee compensation or NEC. And so again, those used to be combined. This year, starting in 2020, they are no longer combined. They are separated. Um, any contractors you pay will be sent or will be included on the 1099 NEC. Um, one thing to remember is be sure to always grab a W-9 from independent contractors you pay. You never know when you might need it. You, know, you might say, well, I'm only going to pay them $400 and never again. You never know when they come back a month later and you pay them an extra $300, and now you're over that threshold. Um, forms are due to both the IRS and contractor by January 31st, and total payments throughout the year totaling $600 or more trigger the form requirement unless certain exceptions are met.
Again, those exceptions would be payments to a C or S corporation. Now, you're going to know if it's a C or S corporation based on the W-9 that they send you. Payments to employees are reported on W-2. So if you're paying employees, that's not a 1099, that's a W-2. Payments for merchandise, freight, or storage, no, w, no 1099 required. And payments made via credit card or PayPal, no 1099 required because they're going to get a 1099 from that processor instead. So that's what we want to talk about. Again, as we're getting close to the end of the year, we're going to be talking about some things that we know are going to be coming up on everybody's radar. And so this was one of them I wanted to talk about. Uh, if you need help filing 1099s, reach out to our team. We handle this. Otherwise, I'm also going to put a link in the show notes. We simply use a software called Track 1099 to do all of our 1099 filing and processing. So I'm going to include a link to them. If you want to do it yourself, just go ahead and track, go to Track 1099 and, uh, you know, utilize their software to help that processing. I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, and I will see you next week as we continue to talk about uh, items related to year-end and us coming up on the end of another year. Thank you, everyone. Now, one last thing before I go. We created a Facebook group called Building a Successful Law Firm to take what you learn here and dive even deeper. This Facebook group is a place where we share tons of value for free, and you also have the opportunity to bring up situations you are faced with and collaborate not only with our team, but with other firm owners as well. Simply go to Facebook and search for the Building a Successful Law Firm group. Again, it's Building a Successful Law Firm group. I'll see you in there. This has been another episode of the Law Firm Accounting and Tax Podcast from the team at Jetro. If you enjoy our weekly episodes, please leave a review on whatever platform you listen to us on and share with other law firm owners. If you have any questions or future topics you want to hear, email them to tax at jetrotax.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.